But what caught my attention is imagine how much blood. Oh. Why do you think like this? Not three. Is the next three days at four days of your life going to be exhausting? Like, is it Uh, minute to minute to minute to minute? Uh, it's going to be pretty exhausting, but I, I don't know. Like, like tomorrow, let's look at my calendar tomorrow. I have something starting at 9.15, then something at 10, then something possibly at 10.30, but probably not going to that because of the thing at 10, uh, which is going to involve decorating the entire church. Uh, well, that's tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah, for Holy Thursday. Oh, yeah. Oh, tomorrow's yeah, Thursday. for Holy Thursday. Man, then, where does this week go? The afternoon, I'm really free, actually, until 5.30. You need to sleep. Well, I'll sleep tonight. Carb, carb load, dude. No, dude. No. <laughs> carb load. I need to lose weight. Pasta uh, dinner. That, Pasta that, dinner, dude. We're going. Vigil. We're going right now, dude. We're actually, talking before about the Easter tomorrow. vigil, we're going to we're going to somewhere. Father James, Father Doug. An undisclosed location. I don't know. I really don't One know. One of my kids straight up texted me at 10 p.m. last night was like, wait, am I getting baptized on Saturday night? I'm like, <laughs> Oh. Wait, do they? This is one of your kids that you. <laughs> yes. yes, you do. Well, that's cool. I'm really excited for bringing people into the church. I saw a number of how many total people will be. 40, born. right? No. Plus in total the world. in the world. Oh, great. It's insane. I know. Hundreds so, of thousands. No. I think what? it's like 30 or 40,000. Oh. So last year. It should be hundreds of thousands. That's a lot. Yeah. Will's well, not no. satisfied. Okay. All right. There are what did you say to me earlier? People, there's 9 billion people who live in this world. I thought it was 6.5 it's billion. 7. All right. Let's go 7. 7.5. <laughs> You're still not right. We're just ballparking. <laughs> yeah, Last year, in the Diocese of Galveston, Houston, where I worked. How many? 3,000. Yeah. In and I was like, this is the book of Acts. 3,000 people were baptized. Yeah, but the, in, in Galveston, the- Houston. It's a huge diocese. Yeah. It's yeah. one of the biggest okay. in the country. So let's think about Passover, right? When he was preaching... There were probably like 2.5 mil people. Not there. No, 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 in Jerusalem. Seriously. No, 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 this is this is real. Listening to him? No, not listening to him. Come on. Well, in the know. city. During Passover During time. Passover yes. time. Okay. There would have been about two – or Pentecost time. I guess probably a little bit less. Let's go two mil. Because at Passover, I read a book. The The reason I know this You're is because it stuck out – No. It's, okay, it sticks out in my head because they said that you had to have one lamb for every 10 people. Okay. So if there were 2.5 million people yeah. who showed up, 250, that's 250,000 lambs that were sacrificed. Is it lambs temple. or lamb? Like deers? I think it's lamb. Lambs. There's 250,000 lamb that, lambs that were sacrificed. lambs? Yes. Yeah. Deer. It's lambs. just deer. <laughs> sheep. Sheep. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but what caught my attention is imagine how much blood. Oh. Why do you think like this? No. That, the author boy. was thinking like – but. But like the point was like when we talk about sacrifice, we're always like, "Oh, oh it's so beautiful." <laughs> you guys both made the same noise. Like, <laughs> it's sweet, sweet little lamb. No, no, no. Rivers, rivers of blood. <laughs> oh wait, are we being recorded right yeah, now? Yeah, dude, it's on. Of course, oh. welcome. Hey, this is being church podcast. <laughs> we haven't. This is a, what it is. This is what you guys do. Yes, yes we kind of. I just... want in. Wait, this is your job. Yes. Yeah, you should totally. I actually told one of my teenagers the other day. I whispered to her like we were pigging out in the youth room. And I was like, "Dude, I get paid to do this. Isn't that amazing?" <laughs> 
It's pretty sweet. Yeah, this is what we do. We just sit here and we talk about ridiculous things, and sometimes we talk about Jesus, and usually, usually it's not heretical. It yeah, usually. Usually it's not heretical. Father Doug today was like, uh, well, we were telling about something we said. No, he doesn't listen. I was going to say. And he was it's like, well, I hope, you, I hope you avoid heresy. <sighs> like sometimes. Wait, was that like on his like sarcastic well, voice? Yeah. That was probably it's when hard to tell uh, you neglected to mention to us that you were going to Chick-fil-A for lunch. Will was very upset with me. He brought Chick-fil-A back for like three other people. You were on a house call. Yeah. Healing the sick. I'm sorry. We were uh, doing living the sacramental life of the church. Yeah. I was living the sacramental Chick Fil A. I had been waiting for Chick Fil A for like weeks. And well, I was supposed to text you too. <laughs> yes, from home. Uh, also <laughs> eating wonderfully prepared Bolivian food because the little abuelita that we anointed oh. was like, "Hey, you want some food? Oh, you got nothing to complain and about." Father Doug you. and I were like, "Of course." We yes. were very hungry. Father Doug literally had told me before we got there. He was like, "Well, I'm so hungry, and I should have eaten more." And I'm like, fit God and provides. God provides. After, afterwards, after everything was over, she was. Uh, I said, "Man, it smells really good in here." Because oh. I just cooked dinner for lunch. I was not intending had to get. Had you ever food. had Bolivian food? It was so good. Was it? It was like oh, well, see, a little stew kind of with with fried he's a jerk. with fried <laughs> a little bit of fried. Um, I don't understand fried cauliflower. <clears throat> you were fine without the chicken. But it was hey, the principle. You, are, of you, are you planning on having priests? Like, are you going to interview Father Doug? Maybe. He would never be on here. No, well, Father Doug would probably kill him if I, if we really asked him. I really want to get Father James, but that might be an exclusive episode for uh, <laughs> right. contributing listeners only. <laughs> right, and like give a dollar, get this podcast. Yeah. How do you start? You just well, start. yeah, we just start. Just, okay. I say we're, I'm we're Tom, started. and oh, Will started. says he's Will, and then I say, and today we have with us Alyssa Molina. Oh, Alisa. you said it wrong. Alisa Molina. Right. Well, there was just a. I was, was testing you. I'm so glad that you do that. You know, because. I, I always just, say your name the right way. Yes, that was the do. one time yeah, I said it wrong. Just, no, but oh, I like I, this is a great topic of conversation. Great. I really don't like it when people let me say their name wrong. I don't I either. hate it. Well, I, it's it's just it's a, working, it's a nice it's, thing. It's in working with youth that have like very different names. Yeah. Like you feel known when somebody says your yes. name right. And so when I've I've asked like there's a couple of people on on like parish grounds that have called me Alyssa for ten years. So like after like three or four times, <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, eh, it's it's fine. It's like, I'm just gonna be yeah. Alyssa to you. It's it's fine. I get a little frustrated with some of our Catholic school kids. Like that, I'll call them the, not even their name. I'll call them the wrong name, and they'll be okay. <laughs> and the, they won't correct me. <laughs> Someone did it yesterday, and I found out afterwards I called her the wrong name. Yeah, I mean you have it's the, nice, but at it's least nice. you have Will and Tom. I mean, how those are pretty easy. How I know. could you ever mess up those names? Nobody. Oh, people mess up my last name all the time. Though. Oh yeah, Rooney. Yeah, and they they spell it R O D N E Y. Rudy. Rodney. Oh. Rod. Rod. I don't even know. I don't it's know. very Rod, weird. Rod, people Rudy. misspell my last name all the nice time, thing but that's about, a, that's yeah. Wait, so what is it? Karani. C A R A N I. But it's. Italian? Yeah. Are you 100% Italian? Half. Half Italian, half Irish. Wow. I knew that's why we got along. Wait, what are you? I'm pretty much, I'm like Italian and Irish and German. I'm a mud. But wow. Like really, really half and half? Like pretty much, yeah. Like my, oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, pretty much. There's some like some French. How about you, Elisa? Mexican-American. What? That wasn't a, why is that a bad question? Why racist. You look <laughs> real racist real fast. <laughs> you could be from like Venezuela, girl. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. No, no, no. Latin people from Latin America really want you to get it right. Like one time, it's true. It's I asked, true. I asked, I, I thought that a family was Mexican American, and that kid uh-uh. was like, uh, uh-uh. uh. 
I'm, I'm Salvadorian. I'm Guatemalan. Jump back. I'm like, okay, I'll just, I won't. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, my mind. It's a lot of pride. A lot of pride yeah, comes yeah. from your country. You should. You should. You, right. should, you should be excited Absolutely. about your I agree. Country. I'm not good at talking about race or culture, so we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> what we're going to talk about today, I always get in trouble when I talk about this stuff. I always put my foot in my mouth. But yeah. you know why? Because you have foot and mouth disease. Thank I have you. Foot and mouth Thank you for saying that. What? I appreciate. I'm it. a privileged white male, but I don't think that precludes me from any conversations. That's true. But that's a different conversation for another time. For another time. So, Elisa, we wanted to have you on because, um, well, because you're awesome, and we like spending time with you and hanging out. Basically, we just want to have an excuse to talk to you for thirty minutes. Yeah. But, yeah. but we also want to know more about, first of all, what you do here at St. Louis, but also your family is really important to you, and they're kind of like. Your first vocation, your first ministry. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Okay, awesome. So, I don't know. what. How did you come to St. Louis? I'm really good at starting these interview questions, aren't I? <laughs> yeah. Was, uh, Why are you good. here? Why are you here? Why am I here? I am actually have been a parishioner at St. Louis since I was 16 years old. What? Wait, how'd that happen? So my mom uh, was a single mom. She moved us from El Paso, Texas to Georgetown, Texas mm. um, for, a, for a job. Oh. Myself and my th- two brothers, or three of us. And um, she was, you know, we went to Mass every Sunday, pray rosary, stuff like that. And one Sunday we were in Austin. I'm not exactly sure how it was that we happened to the Life Team Mass. Because back then there was like no Google. So I don't know. I know she knew we were in Austin and we had to get to Mass. Uh, And so we went to a Life Team Mass and my mom, we were all really just blown away. It was very different than anything we had ever been to. Mm. Um, The homily was actually like almost like a play uh, with the priest kind of. Yeah, I know. I know. So, so was this at St. Louis? It was at St. Louis. Actually, you know who the priest was? Bishop David Condola. Wow. Right. So he was, so anyway. Wait, is this the one where he like flew in from the rafters like Spider-Man? Yeah, I think it was a Superman <laughs> one. <laughs> anyway, it wasn't, Sorry. Will, you're looking, it wasn't like that every Sunday. It no, just, no, no, I. It just, here's the thing. It was just very dynamic. Um, back then, yeah, Georgetown so was really small, um, which was very different from where we came from, El Paso. And it uh, it was really small, mm. and the parish was really small. And so Austin here in at St. Louis, it just, that mass made us feel very much at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my That's mom, awesome. it, <clears throat> drug, dragged us drug. here, drug us here? Dr- Sunday, dragged. 35 40 minutes every Sunday from Georgetown, Texas wow. to St. Louis, King of France. Wow. Um, and so we became parishioners. Then I went off to UT, but I generally came to Mass here, um, not at the Catholic Center. Um, when my husband moved to, when we were dating and he moved to Austin, he, you know, attended Mass here. We got married here. We bapt- Father Larry Covington married us Ooh. and he baptized all five of our children. So like this, and is you went my through place. confirmation class here. Too, I right? did. That yeah. is the beginning of my. That is be the beginning of I feel like my faith journey. Oh wow! Yeah, when I, I went through the adult confirmation program here when I was twenty two, wow. and then my life was just insane. And so, uh, what happened was I was a teacher. I was a school teacher. The the way I become became an employee here was I was a school teacher, and I. Uh, got pregnant with my first child and I was like, Oh, I really want to, I really want to try this staying at home thing. Mm -hmm. I really wanted, this was kind of my thinking. I really want to be all in. And I, I don't think I could be all in as a teacher 
and a mom. So I have to, I have to figure it out. So we really gotcha. had to figure out how to sacrifice. My husband's a teacher too. So we had to, um, and at that time, my, uh, the person that I volunteered, uh, teaching confirmation junior and I volunteered to teach the high schoolers, uh, confirmation during that time. Junior's my husband, by the way. Yes. And, uh, so anyway, somebody was like, Hey, we can give you like a little job taking care of the confirmation program the confirmation portion of our high school program. Oh, okay. So that's how I got like a little 10 hour a week part-time oh. job. I just kept on having, I kept on having baby after baby, <laughs> but I would do like 10 hours. I would, I would dip in and dip out. And, um, yeah, that's how I, I worked here for 10 years. Wow. Yeah. After baby five, I stepped away for two years and then I came in to talk to this new pastor guy about, uh, youth ministry because my kid was about to be a, a middle schooler and he was like, Hey, why don't you just do confirmation? So I did Sounds again. Sounds like how it happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did confirmation. So that's how I'm actually an employee here. Wow. You've like, I didn't know you like lived your whole life essentially uh, yes. here at St. Louis. Right. That's incredible. I'm super passionate about the work here at St. Louis because of, <clears throat> because I've been here during lots of demographic shifts yeah. and just, all kinds of shifts. Yeah. So um, I've come to really love the parish and her people here. Mm. Yeah. So, and this is where I grew up in in my faith life. So I will say, like the one place that the the two areas that my life got changed the most here were when I uh, got confirmed as an adult, but also the marriage prep program was oh, gotcha. was kind of like life-changing for really? us mm. well, well yeah i actually we had a session on vocations that night that uh for for confirmation we had like a rotation of vocation oh, yeah, talks yeah, will did um one and then we had uh like a video of uh, a religious sister and then my mm. husband came and we oh, did cool. marriage yeah and i actually told them i said um the because my parents had uh gotten a divorce. Mm -hmm. I wanted to kind of learn as much as I could, uh, about just marriage. And so we took like the longer version <laughs> of marriage prep yeah, yeah. at the time you had like a choice, whether you did a retreat, a weekend retreat, uh -huh. Uh -huh. or you could do like a, like it was like six weeks. I don't know what it is now. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. seven weeks. Still. Yeah. And it was, it was, in, and I was like, I need to know all the things I need to know all the things. And that, and that, um, class actually taught me all the things wow. I had never known about NFP, never heard it, never heard the word domestic church, never mm -hmm. heard a lot of the things. And uh -huh. so uh, junior and I just kind of went all in after that class. That's pretty cool. So like what changed, especially when it comes to like domestic church, what yeah. changed specifically Well, for you guys with that? I think or like what, in your mind? Well, I think what happened was, first of all, I, I, I learned what domestic. I had never heard that growing up. And I think, you know, domestic church sounds like a fancy phrase, but really it's just, uh, it's just the school of love. It's the school of charity. It's the uh -huh. school of forgiveness. It's just where kids are going to learn, um, first, you right. know, it's family, right. Yeah. It's just family. Yeah. So most people are domestic, most families, whether it's, you know, mom and dad, or, you know, I would say that my mom, we mm -hmm. grew up in a domestic church because, you know, she, uh, planted seeds of faith all the time. Mm -hmm. Totally. Um, but it just kind of sounds exotic when you say <laughs> domestic church, yeah. yeah, but it's really just, it's interesting. Cause that word church, um, it comes from a Greek word, right. That'd be like called together. Right. And so like it, I don't know if we ever think about that, but like your family is called together 
by God, like for each other, you know, you and Ginger came together and like he gave you these children in this time. Like, so when we say there's a church, like, and then you talk about a school of love and that it's, it's these relationships. That's where people learn like how to live the gospel. Right. right. And just like anything else, I mean, your your uh, family is this kind of where you learn everything. If you're going to learn yeah. how to eat well or you're going to learn how to, you know, uh, new hobbies, whatever, everything begins in the family. And I think sometimes um, families feel daunted by this idea that they're in charge of communicating the faith. Yeah. Um, I know that when I was a young mother, I, one of the... As far as the domestic church goes, one of the things I struggled most with is once I realized, oh my goodness, we're in charge of communicating the faith, I felt uh, ill-equipped, mm-hmm. one. And two, I was looking around at families that I felt like were doing it really well, and I started comparing myself, mm. and then I started um, really getting really down on myself mm. when I was early in my motherhood. Um, especially because I was primarily with the kids. Mm-hmm. So if I, I looked around and I was like, well, if I'm not doing this, this, and this, then I'm not really yeah great at this domestic church thing. There was an article in Time Magazine. It wasn't about the domestic church, obviously, but it was about motherhood. And it was about um, how, there's just like the comparative nature of motherhood. You know, right. moms are like, oh, are you do- using formula? Or are you breastfeeding? Or right. are you doing this? You th-? And there's like, there's this, thing that goes around where it's like, if you're not doing it this way, you're a bad mom. Right. That's awful. It is awful. That's like terrible. And it's like 10, I feel, I feel for the young moms now because now they're social media. So you get to kind of project to the world, like how clean your house is in that corner that you took the picture. Yes. Um, And so I think what happened was I eventually, um, I eventually got to where I understood that, uh, I really didn't have to be any other kind of mom. Mm. And that I think the most exciting thing about building, for me, the most exciting thing about building a domestic church in our home is that whatever I'm excited about, that's what I communicate. Mm. So I don't feel this need anymore to like, okay, that family's doing this or that family's doing that. I just, just like any great teacher, if you think of any great teacher that you've had, part of it is the subject matter, yeah. but part of it is the passion that that person yeah. brings to the subject. So in our school of love, mm-hmm. the things that if I learn something here, like this is going to the Go other it. day, I learned Diving. on coffee with the collars. Really, this oh, is oh hey, this great is, plug, no, great plug. No, like this cross is, branding like, right this here. Is so this is so serious. The other day, I was watching the one on the Triduum, and I had no idea that it was one liturgy. Yeah, right? yeah. So uh, I got really excited about that, and then at dinner, I you know we go around and we tell each other highs and oh, lows. Uh, awesome. So what's your high? What's your low? Well, somewhere in there, I told them you know like oh I saw Father Doug and Father James, and they explained this, and look at how cool this is. And you know sometimes like the things that I say, they get excited about, and sometimes you know they shrug their shoulders. But like this was one of those things that they were like, really like the older yeah. kids were really interested. So. As far as, you know, um, communicating the faith with our five kids, it has become, you know, I teach confirmation and I knew nothing about saints before I started teaching confirmation. So, but now because of the last 10 years, saints are my total jam. So I, we, we, the kids and I, like, if it's one of my favorite saints, 
well, I'm going to You let them know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we right, celebrate that. Right. Yeah. We celebrate that. And then they get interested and, yeah. and want to know more about saints. Yeah. So, so from, from our perspective, we've kind of given ourselves, there's 2000 years of church. There's no way that I'm going to communicate all of it. Um, exactly. I, right. I want to plant seeds of, yeah. of, of just that excitement and, um, you know, interest and like, yeah. wow, like there's all sorts of possibilities mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. it comes to learning about our faith. I love that. Cause there's like this, this, um, naturalness to that where you're just like, I'm not trying to compete with this other family or whatever. I'm just trying to be who I am. And my kids will see that this is something that's important to me. Exactly. And that's, what's going to really evangelize them, right? right? That they, they see that importance both in word and deed. Right. Of like, I'm living this and I'm preaching it and I'm, I'm trying, right? I think that that's just, that's the, that's where the, kind of the money is when it comes to. Well, and I love that the church, you know, basically says, you know, here, here in your family is where kids are going to see models of love and mm-hmm. sacrifice yeah. mm-hmm. and forgiveness. And I think, like I said, I think most families understand that um kind of on a basic level it's just kind of taking it to the level where you're intentional about it like if you know if uh if i say oh you know uh sophia that's our eight-year-old daddy worked really hard all day long and he's coming home and he's gonna pick you up and take you to soccer practice wow like that is you know what a great Mm. sacrifice that is Uh. if i use the language of a virtue. If I use the language of what we want our kids to uh, to know, then then I'm being a little bit more intentional yeah. about it, so that they are hearing me yeah. say, "This is, you know, these are these words." Or if they see me say, "You know, Daddy, I really was angry at that moment, and I said some really bad words to you. Mm-hmm. Um, can you please forgive me?" If I say that, and they see that yeah. often enough. Um, that is kind of bringing the intentionality to, to what I think already happens yeah. in lots of families. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I went to this um, conference at Notre Dame a couple of weeks ago called Cultures of Formation. It's all about young people in the church and how, you know, everyone's like, oh, what are we doing for young people? How are we bringing young people to the church? What can we do? And um, these bishops and these theologians proposed like, uh, we need to make it easier for young people to be Catholic. And people at first were like, well, what does that mean? Like boil down teaching? Like, what are you talking about? And they're like, no, we need to create environments where being Catholic is, is normal, where it's normal to say, I'm sorry. I love you. Thank you. Yeah. Right. Like where it's normal to show mercy, right. to show love and to right. show gratitude. Right. Um, and so that's, that's what strikes me when we consider this domestic church is like, it's creating a culture at the very least, right? Like you, when you talk about faith with your kids, you're normalizing it. Right. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, this is what we do here. Right. This is what we do in the Molina yeah. household. This right. is who we are. Right. Um, it's a I think lot that's of important. seed planting. It's a lot yeah. of seed planting. I, you know, I stepped away from this idea that I had to, I think when I was a young mother and I was comparing myself, I think the thing that was driving me was like, these kids, I have to, like their Catholic IQ has to be really high. They have to stay Catholic at their adult life. They have to all. So that was what drove me instead of just being a model of love and a model of faith and a model of virtue for them. Um, and just realizing that they belong to Jesus. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, they belong to him, um, and kind of having a posture of hands open, um, to his will for them. Another thing that we've, 
try to start implementing in our family is just this idea of praying for vocation, their vocations now when they're young, yeah. using that word a lot, um, inviting priests over that used to like, that was not a thing yeah, like sure. before for me, but you know, cause it's very, um, priests can be intimidating sometimes. Totally. And so you're like, no, cause I don't want them to come and see that my house is this or that. And so, um, that has been something, you know, exposing the kids to just the fact that priests are human beings, real dudes that yeah. are funny and, you know, and sometimes <laughs> most of the time. So, so that has been, that has been a part of also this kind of uh, building a domestic churches, yeah. exposing them to, um, Jesus calling them yeah. in, in their hearts. That's so. important. Yeah. To talk about vocation. What are you called? You're like, you're called out of this family to something else. Right. I mean, right. you're always called a family, but yeah. On a mission, right? Right. Something. Our um, family has a mission. Right. You have a mission. So I'm I'm thinking about like you keep talking about the things you do with your kids, and that's obviously important. That's what uh-huh. the domestic church, you know, is. Right. What do you and Junior do together to can if if you want to talk about this, you can. You sure. don't have to. But I'm just intrigued, like, as a couple, how do you guys relate to each other spiritually? And do you do anything together or do you like check in or how do you, how do you guys maintain your uh, spiritual romance or whatever? Well, you know, this is going to, this is going to sound really kind of odd. Um, but I would say one of the things that has kept Junior and I most um, spiritually com- connected is NFP. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that kind of requires. It's not odd at all. <laughs> well, not to me. It, uh, yeah, <laughs> it requires a lot of uh, conversation about family life, and uh, you know. And don't get me wrong. One of the things that um, I'm really passionate about is that every every you know faith is such an intimate experience. Family life is such an intimate experience. So I never want to come off sounding like I I know everything or anything really. This is this is just sure. Right, it's your experience, and, right? And yeah. so I you know I, I guess the the people that I look. Uh, up to the most when they communicate the faith is that they don't make me feel like I am less because I don't do certain things or, you know what I mean? And so, but for junior and I, um, NFP has been, it's been really difficult at times. It's caused a lot of hardships, uh, you know, as far as just like sacrifice, it's a lot of sacrificing that Mm -hmm. goes on. Um, but I think that it has played a, an enormous role in um, just the level of intimacy and respect that we have for each other. I think that that's really um, big. The other thing is, you know, we date each other and um, we really kind of have tried to year after year kind of uh, allowed each other time to grow spiritually individually, like, you know, because we're so busy, you know, having times where we're able to do stuff. Um, and last, last week we prayed the rosary together for the first time in a long time. And just, uh, yeah, that's just not, again, I want to say like that, that, that's not the norm (laughs) at all, uh, whatever, but, um, it was really, really good. Um, but I, I would say that NFP kind of drives the spirituality in our house. That's it's, it is. Yeah. yeah, So there's like that, uh, marrying not to use but to like of this the spiritual with like the physical reality of like i treat you this way and you treat me this way and that impacts 
our our spiritual life and our spiritual right. life impacts how we treat each other. Well, and it's just this idea of um, giving your life over to God's plan. So mm. th- if you both are deciding, okay, your life, your marriage, and your children all belong to God, then you're constantly and consistently talk. You have to with NFE. You have to constantly and consistently <laughs> talk about what's up. Um, and so every day, right? Yeah, yeah you have to talk. You have to yeah. talk mo- a lot. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so that kind of just always brings the conversation mm-hmm. to, uh, what, what is God's plan for, for our family? Mm-hmm. Um, it, wow. it touches on finances, yeah. right? Like, um, you know, is it important that, you know, how much time I spend at the house and, you know, yeah. more kids, what is, you know, what would that do to, to our uh, ability to be charitable? All, all the things. So it, though the NFP conversations always lead to broader conversations. That's a really great question. Like for, for a couple to reflect on or a single parent to think like, what's God's plan for our family? Yeah. That's really, because you're right. It, it, it like that spreads across. That's the biggest question, everything. right? Yeah. Right. Because that goes to what's God's plan for our finances. What's God's plan for our uh, vacation time, like whatever, anything, you know? Um, and maybe some people might think it's weird to like involve God in all those decisions. But I guess if you want to cultivate a domestic church, and if you want God to be present, I will say, I will say we, it's not, it hasn't been perfect, but we have a very joy filled life. And, yeah. and we, in the times where, uh, the times where we have really, really asked God to help us live his plan, um, have, have been places that have been really hard areas of growth, because I will say I had my idea of what I think God's plan should have been for my life. Um, when I had two boys and two girls, when we had two boys and two girls, I was like, we're good. Thanks. (laughs) Um, but everybody knows we have babe five, uh, and that wasn't in my plan. And so uh, there was a lot of wailing and gnashing of teeth during that period. Uh, But now I will say that God taught me through Sam, um, Junior is, is very trusting of God. He always, he always kind of has been, I argue with God a lot. Um, I just argue a lot. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Uh. Um, but, but Sam, uh, the birth of Sam and just daily, I look at him and think, oh yeah, God's plan is way better. I mean, he's best friends with his sibling that is is next to him. And so I see daily in the flesh and blood, a human person, because we were open to his life, a human person who has rocked my idea of trust in God. Yeah. So, so my life will forever, ever be my trust in God will forever has forever been changed because God God was faithful. He was so faithful in that mm. time. He promised he would be, and he was. So, I've got like a lot of things around, like radical openness, radical vulnerability, mm. like running around in my head. These are just things that are essential to not only being a parent, but being a part of a family, right? And to to just being open to the other member and to being open to the chaos and the potential nuttiness of it all. Yeah, I did a like I did a webcast the other day, and I I I was so popular. <laughs> a <laughs> webinar. Uh, and, and, and I got to talk, I got to talk about whatever I wanted to. And I wanted to talk about this idea of being open to life. And what I told them is now that I'm at the end mm. of the having babies everywhere stage, I'm, I'm understanding that being open to life is not just being open to another human being, yeah. but being open to everything that life brings, the joys, the sorrows, the sacrifices, the pains, the looking yeah. at their each individual lives oh, and yeah. what, 
life, that word means encompasses so much. And you're not just open to a human being being born. You're open to everything that comes with mm-hmm. that life. So yeah, the, the church and its teaching on life and the domestic church and just all these things has for me just, and my husband and just our family, it just radically changed our lives. So that's why I'm really passionate about it. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> so I have this quote about the domestic church real quick that okay. I think we could, like, I don't know if we should end it or whatever, but it, um, the, the catechism of the Catholic church says in our own time, in a world often alien and even hostile to faith, believing families are a primary of primary importance as centers of living radiant faith. Mm-hmm. And so I just think that idea of radiant faith, like I don't feel like, I don't try to go around and be like, yo, everybody, I love Jesus. My family loves Jesus. Blah, 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 blah. We just try to live a joyful, faithful, radiant, you know, yeah. give off the aroma of Christ. Um, and I, I think, I think that that is, speaks volumes uh, in and above just anything else we could. Yeah. Uh, so I, I met you early on when I got here at the parish and like I met uh, many of your family members throughout that time as well. And I, I really do. This is like a, a um, I really see a genuine like joy about you and Junior and even your kids most of the time. Like, I mean, they're not perfect, right? Yeah. But like, um, just to brag on your oldest son, like in one of our small groups, he was really leading that group. Like he really, you could see it. And and I know as a parent, you're like, yeah, he does do good things, but, but there's all this other stuff that you don't know about. Well, and so like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like that's, that's legit, you know, and, right. and, and there's, there's a, a balance there. But, um, I think that there's something about like, even if a kid leaves the church, right? Even if, I mean, we've talked about some families, um, in our parish that their, 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 their kids have, they grew up Catholic. They went to Catholic school, but they, after they left home, they left, left their, their church home, right? They're, right. they're no longer Catholic. Um, I think there's something to be said for um, if you grow up in an environment where there, there's that joy, and then you then you go off and do your thing, right? Right, and you you you're like the prodigal, right? I think that there's a better hook, right? There's a better thing that will bring you back. Because I mean, we all hear the the stories, right, of the nuns, right? The that they're you know if you where they're leaving, N O N E S, yeah, N O N E S, right? And they're leaving, yeah, and they're not coming back, right? I I wonder if if we were able to distinguish between families that had that kind of joy and right. and whatever, and families that didn't, right? I wonder if you if you did twenty years of studying, if you'd see more of those kids come back or not. It's just an interesting reality, you know. I just I just don't think that any any sharing of faith ever goes on. Uh, I don't know. I, I I think it's all valuable, even if adult kids fall away, because yeah. you just never know when when something might um, trigger something and mm-hmm. they'll feel, you know, it, maybe even in their darkest moments where, where parents don't know that, that, you know, your kid prays or you, there's, there's just, I want, I, I think that these families that ha- have kids and I've always said, I actually tell the kids, my, our kids all the time, once you leave this house, mm-hmm. it's your decision. 
whether you're Catholic or not. Mm. I'm sharing this with you. Daddy's sharing this with you because this has changed our life. It is what we believe. It is who we are. It shapes everything that mommy and daddy do. It shapes everything. Yeah. All of our choices mm-hmm. are, are, are through the lens of our faith. Mm-hmm. And, um, we, just like we raise you for all, you know, in all the other departments, this is, this is the gift that we feel that we, uh, yeah. are called to share with you. But when you leave, it's on you. Like when you're in college, if you don't want to get up for mass, guess what? I'm not going to go drag you. You don't, you don't. But what that also means is you don't receive Jesus, right? So, so we're very honest with them about the communication, like what, when we communicate the faith with them. But I I do think that even if our kids were to fall away, there are, there's so much richness and in, in what we've shared already, um, in, in, you know, in customs and, and the fact that in this day and age of like social media and always on your phones, that there's one time every week that we are all together and there are no screens and that's Mm -hmm. mass Mm -hmm. every week. So I never thought about that. If they go off and, and they, and they don't decide to, to remain Catholic, nobody can take that away. That hour of family time together with Jesus somewhere is is providing something for them. Yeah, so, yeah there's something. God there's is some something. seed. Yeah, some absolutely. Seed there's there's seeds yeah. there that are yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that are that are going to manifest. Like that's just not my job. I yeah, right. it's not my job to and that's like one time I went to uh, to confession and there was a it was a bishop and he was like, um, honey, um I'm I just need to tell you that um there is a savior and you're not it. <laughs> yeah. And really? yeah. yeah, yeah, he did. And I think, I, I think That's Jesus funny. needed, I had been told that before by <laughs> priests. And I think Jesus was like, I need to send, I like need to I send need a superior. Yeah. I need a superior to like, <laughs> so that you pay attention. And that then I did funny. pay attention. I was like, Oh, so f- even for my kids, yeah, I can't, I can't save my kids. Jesus has got to do yeah. that. And so that's part of just, you're an instrument, but you're not the, you're not the, the final cause. Right. Yeah. You're right. not the, the end all be all and some of it. It's so interesting because that statement, like there's a savior and you're not it, is like driven over and over again into seminarians. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's like a huge like – because I mean like right. – So well-intentioned guys are like, I got to do everything. Right. And, you, and then by trying to do everything, you really end up doing nothing. Right. You just kind of – or you do stuff and you then you get burnt out and you're like – I'm out. So like over and over again at the beginning of my formation, at least they were like, tell all of us, Hey, there's a savior and you ain't it. You know, you get to participate in his priesthood. You get to participate in the co-creation of children and like, and and all that kind of stuff. But you're not the savior. You're not the, um, I don't know. It's just a, there's a a loveliness to that reality of like, okay, I did my best. There's a line from uh, John the 23rd. He used to say before he went to bed, all right, Lord, um, I'm going to bed now. It's your church. You know? Yeah. I did my best. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and, and as parents, it's really super hard to, to have a posture of they're yours because they've been, you know. Yeah, you're I, literally I, I mean, they literally them. were. Yeah, you gave it to me, like, but I, right, I took care of this right, for you. Right, right. <laughs> So, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a lesson in humility is the number one thing that I think I'll work on my whole life. And that's part, part humility is like these kids are not mine Yeah, or juniors. Yeah. But I guess I would imagine that that fact also tempers like the way you discipline, the way you do all those things. And you're, you can be more 
you're almost like you're more just and you're more worshipful. Like these are not my kids, so and they're I want them to be with the Lord, so I want them to be really good kids. But right. like how much mercy have I received and how much, you know, all that kind of tempers. Right, you know, right. It's interesting. For sure. So it's cool. Awesome. I think we're bumping on time. That was like yeah. the fastest podcast we've ever recorded. Yeah. Like really? it went, it feel like it went so fast. Yeah, it went, <laughs> well, it we went super fast. But yeah. Yeah. Because we just had a great fun. time. Yeah, that was super fun. Oh, yeah. We're Thanks definitely going to have you, me. we're definitely going to have you back yeah. because you've got a lot of things to talk about. Like social justice. Oh my. Yep. Don't get me started. I don't know. Then we'll the be here is, for four days. Well, Actually, right. I would really love to do one with you because I think we would have a really good conversation. I would learn a lot. Like from from on the social justice, yeah, yeah. Sorts of stuff. I I also am looking forward to it because that's a podcast where I don't have to do anything. I'll say this is Lisa Molina. <laughs> Lisa, what do you think about social justice and the church's Catholic social teaching? Thirty five minutes later, uh, thanks. No, four hours and thirty five <laughs> minutes later. Yeah, no, I that this is super. You guys are great. I mean, I've always said we need to go out and. Go to dinner and hang out. Yeah. You can say get drinks on here. That's okay. Okay. Yeah. Actually, that's, that's <laughs> what I've actually said. Let's go to dinner and get some drinks because we're so entertaining. We, we are. We are entertaining. We're, we're pretty, incredibly entertaining. We're pretty darn entertaining. <laughs> to each other. Alisa Molina, coordinator of high school confirmation, wife and mother extraordinaire. And uh, she does youth ministry and middle school youth ministry on the side, ladies and gentlemen. And she's a daughter of God. Yes. And she's a daughter of God. First and foremost. First and foremost. Thank you yes. so much for hanging out with Thank us. Thank you for having me. This is the Being Church Podcast. Thanks for listening. We love you. Pray for us. We're praying for you. And we'll see you next week. Go be church. Isn't that cute?